Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit brumradio.com. And welcome to episode eight of the Fashion Demics. Is number eight lucky? Not the lucky eight ball. Am I making things up? No, yes, Pete's saying yes, you are. <laughs> Isn't there like a lucky eight ball? <laughs> welcome to episode eight. We have missed the plot. I don't even need to introduce her. Here she is, Sophie Johnson. But I'm Laura, and today's going to be great. Okay, so in the very lucky uh, number eight episode, we have an amazing guest. We have Joy Campbell from Graduate Fashion Foundation talking to us about um, her an amazing job, her amazing role. She's the director of brand partnerships. So we're going to be talking all things TikTok, which is really, really exciting. Also, as part of this episode, we're going to be talking about uniform policies in the workplace, um, talking about lots of different industries, um, and but obviously in particular fashion and why we should not be forced to wear heels. And then lastly, as I like to know, we are talking about a a charity slash um, retailer that are very close to my heart called the New Life Centre. So just before we start this week's In The Know section, I would just like to confirm after a brief pause that there is such thing as a lucky eyeball. (laughs) I know what you mean now. You like shake them and they tell you like quote of the day or things like don't go outside today or you're going to get run over or you're going to find love. Yeah, so Pete, trying to make me look stupid on my podcast, you can get fired. Love you, really. <laughs> so, in the know this week, really excited again to talk about this because this, is, this has been inspired by something we read in the news and that we posted on our Instagram. And then we got an abundance of messages, which we love. Please keep sending the messages. Some people go, oh, I hope you don't mind me sending this. Yes, flood our inbox. It's fantastic. So um, Amazon have been, you know, non-fashion, but Amazon have been um, under fire quite a lot recently about the expectations of their workers and some, you know, some really uh, negative stuff around pressures and things in the workplace, which obviously we we don't condone at all. But quite interestingly, um, Amazon last week posted an update on their hygiene expectations. Um, of their staff um and i think i can't remember what site i saw it on but people were kind of arguing the toss on this one and actually saying oh is amazon right on this one so amazon have put something in uh, their workers contracts to say that um, there is like a minimum level of hygiene expected so their workers you know need to have their brush their teeth and have used mouthwash and you know don't have smelly pits don't have smelly pits or (laughs) you know shaved beards or whatever it might be across male and females so this obviously sparked a conversation on other platforms and then we brought it to our platform as well because we were kind of like, well, isn't this a standard? <laughs> don't we have to all be presentable to a degree? You know, I, I don't think that um, any contract should really, um, you know, tell us what we need to wear or, or yeah, how our hair should be. But or... crying out loud, brush your teeth before you go to work. And a lot of our uh, listeners agreed. But what it actually then sparked from, from, from that was... Um, the pressures actually in the fashion industry as to wear certain things or certain, you know, expectations in around retail. high heels, in, either yeah. in retail or in head offices or, you know, um, across the industry. You know, and, and this kind of could be across other sectors as well. It could be brands that aren't non, you know, non-fashion know non related. Or... Yeah, there's that certain expectation of females and males to dress in a certain way, you know, um, not do certain things or do certain things, um, which sparked a whole conversation. So, again, thank you so much for your comments and input. Um, on that 
Yes. So I found an article about a woman in 2015 who was actually sent home from work without pay after she refused to wear high heels. And this received loads of media coverage around it. Um, and this woman essentially started an online petition, which over time gained 150,000 signatures to make it illegal for women to have to wear high heels in the workplace. Um, the government actually rejected any recommendations that would require this legal change. And they placed emphasis on the existing law saying that it was sufficient enough to protect women who are subjected to um, discrimination against their dress code, blah, blah, blah. Um, however, in 2018, the government's Equalities Office published new guidance on dress codes for employees and employers, as well as job applicants, um, saying that the guidance is clear that a dress code that makes significantly more demands of female employees than of their male colleagues will be unlawful. And I think that's where we are at in today's society is that equality thing and I was thinking about this um, and I was thinking asking staff to wear makeup isn't as bad as asking people to wear heels um, however the more I think about it the more I think it's on par with each other because if you've got a perfect complexion and you're graced with perfect skin um, and you don't need to wear makeup not me then it's not me I, I have to trowel it on but or if you have acne and you want to keep your pores as clear as possible, why should people dictate to you um, on your appearance saying, you know, saying that I don't think a uniform is bad is a bad thing? Like, I don't think a uniform is a bad thing, but I think there need to be boundaries. Like, if, you know, some days I don't wear makeup because I'm trying to look after my skin a bit better. Um, but if I was, if I went into work and my boss said, you have to wear more makeup, you have to wear heels, I'm like, well... Why though? What what if I've got a foot problem, or you know I'm trying? I've got a skin condition, or all these things. Why do we have to be dictated this way? But then it got me thinking. God, where where does it stop? Yeah. So we couldn't and we wouldn't lecture in trainers and a hoodie because you've got to have that certain presence in a room. You've got to look different to a student to a certain extent. So you've got that authority. You've got those boundaries. And we do still sometimes get mistaken for students. And we quite like that. <laughs> I, I do like it. But then I also get a little bit offended when if someone says to me, well, are you a student? Because I'm like, well, like I want I want you to treat me like I'm a lecturer. I want you to see me as a lecturer. Yeah. So I think that's where it comes into place. But... I guess the good thing about a uniform is if you're given a uniform, you don't have that pressure of what do I wear today? And I think that's why we have school uniforms because I know there's been discussions about children being bullied because they haven't got the latest trainers or the backpack or all these type of things. And you get kids going into school with like designer gear and all that type of stuff. But I feel like uniform is a good way to identify an employee as an in uh, as part of a company they're yeah. selling a product you know they're offering a service I mean if you walked into a designer brand for example I don't know Gucci or YSL and there was somebody wearing a uh, NAF polyester uh, conflicted brand or a high street brand or they looked a bit scruffy would I expect a certain level of service from that person but is in it terms wrong of, of us aesthetic? exactly to expect that exactly I think it's wrong of us because, you know what, someone might be in a hoodie, a, 
I'm not saying it's going to be a polyester hoodie if it's very expensive, but you can still go out and spend two grand on a hoodie just because it's a hoodie. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. that association of the product. Um, so some um, someone actually had messaged on, on our um, on our Instagram to say that they used to work for Dior and Heels was part of that uh, and wearing certain things was part of that role. And it goes, that's why I thought that linked yeah. really nice to what you said because it's that, it is that custom, I do believe it is a customer expectation, but I think the point is that it shouldn't be. Yeah, shouldn't, yeah, yeah. It shouldn't just because someone's wearing heels doesn't make them a better salesperson. No, but it's it's kind of like, well, if you're going to work for the brand <coughs> in retail, should you wear the brand? But it goes back to our previous podcast where we're saying you've got that expectation about, well, do I have to spend my own money to wear those clothes? No, they should be gifted, especially at that kind of price. Well, if you're expected to deliver that type of service or to look that certain way, that should be provided. Yeah, but I find it intimidating. Like, I'm not someone that, that buys luxury very often. I'm, I'm happy to admit that. Remember when we went to get my Louboutins for 30th? Yes. <laughs> Me and Laura trotted into Salfridges and I was probably just in, like some Primark top and uh, and whatnot. And I have to say, no, the, the girl that served us in South East Birmingham was so lovely. She and, and was. So non-intimidating. Actually, remember, she was wearing that pleated leather skirt and Which I was asked her where it was from. And then I went and got it. Yeah, but she yeah. did. She was Good amazing. Point. So I was quite nervous about going in and, and, you know, you see them trotting around in their designer gear and blah, 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 and they've got their shoes on. And, um, I, you know, I only had those th- shoes for my 30th birthday and obviously I love them, but I only very wear them on very special occasions. But I did find kind of going in at the start before I even spoke to this lovely girl. I wish I knew her name because she's I just know, so she fabulous so and nice. she was so nice and helpful and not what I expected at all. Um, but I find almost that uniform and those kind of brands quite intimidating. But I think it's also because the, the shop floor is really quiet yeah, true. So you've got that bit of a you know awkward atmosphere. But I saw something online about this when I was doing a bit of research, and it says that customers don't trust you and don't feel you represent the brand. They won't trust anything you say to them about fit, appropriateness, or style. Potentially losing stale sales if you're not dressed on brand. What? And I think that is such a bold statement I think especially at a retail level because yeah. retail is retail whether you're working for Chanel or whether you're working it's actually, for Aldi it's you the service work, it's the service yeah. so you, and you, you, you're promoting that product you doesn't you're not getting paid any more to work for Chanel you probably I bet in some instances I bet if we compare I'm sorry Chanel I'm, I mean not that Chanel's even listening to the podcast I love you Chanel <laughs> love you Chanel <laughs> but, but you know that I'm just trying to give a real kind of uh, extreme example but I bet they're on the side I bet the people that are working sorry Selfridges on the bottom <laughs> Flora Selfridges selling Krispy Kremes won't be on different money to the person Probably not, stood no. um, up top selling Krispy Kremes Bouton. So, like, I remember when I worked at Selfridges, um, I had to wear heels um, just to kind of be smart and presentable. I was on the top floor, so it's like the posh floor. Um, but you often have to run to the stock room to get different sizes for mm-hmm. people. Fine, all for it. But the stock room is quite small, and you'd had to climb a ladder <gasps> to get like jackets and blazers and things so you're on this ladder in heels in heels praying for your god life that you weren't going to slip and break your neck trying to do it as quickly as possible because the stock room was like the other side of the store so you're like running around trying to get do the best service and also my boss used to call it the mat so like the shop floor your little concessionaire was the mat and it was always be like you have to stand on the mat so somebody had to be on the mat at all times and you're wearing heels and you stand all day and you're running back to the stock room all day trying you know in these heels and sometimes I'd do um like a 10 hour shift I'd start at 10 when selfridges would open and I'd finish at eight and I'd close up so wow. you're doing 10 hours in heels were running you expected around to wear heels I don't know if I was actually told that I'd have to wear it but 
everybody else did on that floor. I think if you worked on the lower floor where you had the likes of, of Topshop and All Saints, like All Saints is, is a little bit grungy. It's, you know, yeah, more maybe. casual. So yeah. I don't think it was too expected. But I think on the top floor where you had all like the big brands, you were, you had to, you know, have that Adhere certain presence. That. Um, wow. But you'd have to, like, be standing up straight on the mat. You could be, like, slumped over the counter or, like, you know, if you were chatting to different people, it'd be like, come on, like, go back to the mat. So it was... But we're all human. We're I all know. humans just working for, you know, in that moment. As soon as you walk out of Salford, you're just Laura. But for me, it's it's just going into a shop and being able to identify somebody that works. There's nothing worse than when you're in a shop and you're you like, don't know. where the hell's the sales assistant? I need <laughs> and then advice. you ask that I person need... down the aisle, can I have you have... I don't work here. Yeah, oh, my God, <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> But you can just do that with a badge, you know? You can just do that with a badge. Yeah. You don't need to have a particular look or style. And I think when I said in the last podcast about that girl on TikTok working at Vogue and she wasn't allowed to have a nose piercing, it's all about identity, you know? What that's happens what to, like, is. freedom of speech, freedom of identity, you know? That's what we're about now. Why do we have to be dictated and, and told we have to have to wear heels and we have to ruin our back for the rest of our lives because we wore heels for 10 hours a day yeah i just think there's there's so like why heels and i think we did have a few messages from some of our listeners that uh, had said um i've worked at brands such as dior reese kurt geiger and i was especially shocked at kurt geiger um i'm not sure if that was recently or maybe a while ago but you know as a footwear brand they do heels trainers Flats, flip-flops, I don't know. Like, why is it that out of all those products that they offer as a shoe brand that should be about comfort, fit, and all those things, why could they not be just wearing Kurt Geiger's? Yeah. Like, it, it, does that really, really matter? Um, but I was saying, you know, thinking back to, like, when, obviously, when we're in work, because we're still working from home, um... I do most, apart from days when I had tutorials where I sat with the students having a conversation, I don't wear heels as I've never worn a pair of like stiletto heels or strappy heels, anything no. like that. But I do wear like heel boots, like I'm talking like chunky heel um, or like little sandals with like small heels. Like, mm. But I, I do actually, if I think about now, it's been such a long time since I remembered what I wore to do a lecture because we don't go in <laughs> to lecture yeah. at the moment, bring on September. Um but I do, and it's that I, I, maybe there's that thing of, of putting that pair of heels on. When I say heels, you know what I mean. Gives you a bit of power. Yeah, but that's but I don't get your know. Beyonce Sasha Fierce on, you yeah. know. Yeah, bit, bit of Sasha Fierce. I know I, what you mean. It's funny, and I just I don't know. I found it particularly hard um, coming from the fashion industry, coming into higher education, um, and you know, from going work working at a fashion brand in London where I could literally like skip down the road in some trainers, a play suit, something quite, I don't know, I wouldn't say I ever wore anything outrageous, but, like, you know, you, when you work in a fashion head office, um, you know, you kind of wear what you want. Uh, you know, well, for me, I, I could, you know, and I had my own business mm. at, at some point, so I, you know, I could walk in the office wearing whatever. But then coming to work in higher education, I think especially both of us have worked in education at such a young age to start with, I found it really, really difficult um, to not dress appropriately, but... I just, I don't know, I think to, to go from that where what I want attitude in London where it was just all fashion, fashion, fashion to that kind of, there's going to have to be a degree of, you know, that kind of looking 
the part of being a lecturer and more authoritative. I can never say that word. Um, looking like a, a, a part of authority, is that what I'm saying? You know what I mean? I know. Looking like, you know, an academic. Um, and I've found that transition really, really difficult. And I think that's probably because of our age as well. But also what we have to remember is we are fashion lecturers. Like, so I think there's still a big part of what we wear should still say that we we care about that industry and yeah. creativity and identity. I think, I don't know if you feel this way, but I think I also feel a little bit nervous because we are the youngest people in the office. Yeah. Like everybody else are probably like 40s, 50s. Yeah. So I, I guess it's almost like, again, as we, as we said before, trying to not look like a student, but also being comfortable. I think if you're, if we're comfortable we're going to deliver the stuff that we know better than if we're like, oh, I feel so insecure wearing this. Like, I don't feel yeah. myself. And that's what I worry about people in retail and all these comments of like, <laughs> you've got to feel yourself. You've got to be happy. As I said before, you spend so much time of, um, of your life at work. You've, you've got to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. But then again, going back to the whole Amazon thing, there is that boundary of hygiene. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, be, and dressing appropriately, I think. Especially if it's somebody that's kind of like, you know, your Tesco's or your Morrison's van rocking up at your house and somebody's handing you over the food that you're going to eat for the next week and you're like, woo! Breath, honey. Wowie. Yeah. Um, I do wonder whether kind of in a post-COVID world, how it's going to affect um, uniform. Um, and, you know, you said about kind of makeup and things like that. Um, I uh, obviously, until COVID, had never let a student see me without any makeup. And I always thought that as part of my role to wear makeup and to look presentable. And actually, I think I lasted about 10 days at home. Why am I putting this makeup on, you know, during the you know the very first few weeks of lockdown and teaching from home back in March 2020? And within about a week or, or two, I started wearing no makeup. Um, and I just thought, actually, why am I... I am wasting product and money mm. and I'm not even leaving the house. Why do I need... I'm sure there's members of our team, members of our department that do not wear makeup. Why do we feel yeah, that we have to? You've got a good face. I've oh, got that no, face. I where look, if I don't wear makeup, people are like, "Are you? Are, are you, are you I you look, look grey. You, you look quite tired." I'm, I'm that like, fifty. No, I'm, fine. I'm that fifty-first shade of grey. <laughs> <laughs> I look like I. I, I'm I look looking, ill. Uh, yeah, no, I. But maybe that's just our insecurities talking. But I actually, for the first time ever, feel okay. And I, I don't do my lectures without any makeup. But if I'm doing tutorials. I don't mm. put makeup on. And why, you know, and I think that's really, really nice. And it's lovely to see that, you know, the students don't put their makeup on. Like, why do we need to? And I'm wondering now whether COVID would change that. Could I, would it be acceptable? It should be acceptable for me to come into the office with no makeup on. And yeah, there's I think in that contract think that says uh, yeah, that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's an issue at all. I mean, it's, it's your face. I think it's more about the clothing. However, if I have to wear skinny jeans for more than three hours, I feel like my leg, the, the blood in my legs is going to stop. Circulation is going to stop. It's just too tight. It's not for me. It's so uncomfy. Hate it. Well, exactly. So, and is it going to change? You know, we're talking makeup in terms of fashion. Is it going to be acceptable to go into the office? Say, if I go into the office and I'm not teaching, or I've got a couple of tutorials, could I go in a really smart loungewear set? Mm, I don't think you could. Why? I'm comfortable. I'm presentable. I don't smell. I haven't got bad breath. <laughs> you know, if I've got a lovely smart, you but you'd know, be wearing trainers with that though, and it's it's. I don't know. I don't know. But why are trainers associated? With being unprofessional. No, well, I've done a lecture in trainers, a midi skirt, and a blazer before. Is that, yeah, it's that balance because you've got your blazer and your trainers. Yeah. And it is tricky, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it is it's, tricky. it's tricky. But it's just funny how these fashion items represent, you know, we said earlier, a hoodie and trainers, but why does that necessarily need to be? Um, 
need to be yeah. a thing. It's kind of just that rep, rep, reputation of that garment. I, I, I think COVID, fashion post-COVID, is, is going to change how people perceive themselves, how they dress. Um, I don't think loungewear is going anywhere anytime soon. Um, but I think workplaces need to realise that comfort, a big part of being at home, you know, and productivity and, and kind of, I find being at home more productive and a, a more of an effective way of working. I get more done. And I think that's partly to do with being comfort, being comfortable. I'm not tired and all those mm. things. My friend Sarah, I love you, Sarah. She does listen to our podcast and said to me, um, we were shopping just recently and she was like, that she'd seen a feature on this morning about that. Um, that um, a lot of retailers now are going to incorporate more elasticated waistbands yes. off the back of the fact that people are now used to comfort after you know it. a year and a half of being sat at home in comf- comfortable things. Mm. Like So clothing and, and the industry are going to have to adapt, so workplaces need to adapt I think we're going to well. start seeing more like smock dresses, A-line dresses, more loose-fitting clothing, that slouch Fantastic. look. Fantastic. We might move away from loungewear and the whole joggers thing, but we might see... Oh my god, imagine if like harem pants came by. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love imagine. it. Well, I think that brings us on nicely as well to like that idea of revenge shopping and how like that's gonna affect what we, you know, what we buy. I keep seeing this this statement revenge shopping, this kind of post 21st of June, if it even is the 21st of June now, mm. after good old Boris's uh, announcement. Um, but, you know, people... I feel like people will have this sudden splurge of, right, that's it, I'm going to spend on X, Y and Z and, and these bodycon dresses and stuff like that. Um, but then I think it be, that will be like a boom. It's like when everyone first gets released, you know, and from, from the 21st of June, everyone goes out and then people It's like post-war still... and everyone just went a little bit crazy and then everything... Yeah. People just went wild. That's definitely going to happen. We're going to see a boom of people going out, boom of people going to eat out, Boom, people buying things because they haven't been to stores for ages. Like, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's what the fashion industry will will do and what new styles will start to appear. Yeah, and it's going to be that balance between what the workplace expects and what the yeah. fashion industry produces. So I think it'd be really interesting to see. But how lovely would it be to do a lecture with no makeup, hair tied back, a hoodie and trainers? We'll I, couldn't, see. <laughs> I could not do it. <laughs> oh, I totally could now. So today our get to know is the lovely Joy Campbell, who is Brand Partnerships Director for Graduate Fashion Week. Hi, Joy. Hi. It's so lovely to be chatting to you both today. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we do. It's fantastic to have um, an amazing guest on from an amazing company, um, Graduate Fashion Week, that we we work with ourselves as lecturers every year, which is, it's really fantastic. (laughs) So we really thank you for your time. So we're going to go drive straight in with our first question. It's something that me and Laura are really excited to talk to you about. Um, Mm. It's the big T. It's TikTok or double T. Oh, yeah. The big T. The big T. I mean, obviously, you've got uh, an incredible job, an incredible title, working with all these amazing brands and you know we see every year that mm. a lot of a lot of the awards and things that you do at graduate fashion week are always sponsored by some incredible uh, retailers incredible brands you know i've seen the samsung uh, innovation hub this year and gymshark it's yeah. really exciting but yeah the one that we're like oh my gosh this is amazing is tiktok so tell us a bit more about I it i know well i have to say they they were um, what's I say? They're the dream um, from our perspective. We we first got in contact with them last year when we had just cancelled the 2020 show. So it was the first time in like 28 years we'd cancel a show, and we were feeling so despondent about the oh. fact that we just didn't have a platform to elevate, you know, the class of 2020. Mm. And we just kept coming back to TikTok, like you know, 
it's all anyone was talking about, all anyone wanted to kind of um, project on. And so I just rang them up and was like, look, this is the situation. We have an incredible bunch of creatives. They have just had everything taken away from them. Is there anything we can do? And they rang me back like within 24 hours and were like, do you fancy doing a, um, a merchandise range for us? Like we could get as, you know, many students together in a factory. We can sort it out. Let's do this. Um, and I was like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> um, and it was just, it. they came to it with so much heart and so much like genuine conviction that they had this platform and they could do something really valuable, like not just giving them the opportunity to create their merchandise range, but make sure that that experience was really ethical in terms of, the way the students were treated, the way that they were looked after, the way that they would continue to be educated throughout that residency programme. Um, and we did it. We somehow, in the midst of a pandemic, managed to create a window as we were just coming out of all the kind of restrictions where we took 60 students into a factory, 30 a week, um, and created a merchandise range of TikTok. And, you know, we just all got so much out of the experience. You know, me personally, like the lecturers that came down to assist um, in this in the factory with the kind of from pattern cutting to just um, supporting the students. And we just all felt like it was such a worthwhile platform. You know, they gave the products to creators. So TikTok creators who have got huge audiences were wearing the garments from the students and giving them further elevation via that. Um, and then so we were delighted when they said, let's do it again, quite frankly. Um, and they've extended the partnership. So they're sponsoring um, a new Fashion Media Award this year, oh, which seemed like the perfect partnership because, let's face it, in terms of new media, no one's kind of quite nailed it quite as TikTok has. So um, to get their team in to help judge that award, I think, is going to be really valuable as well. So, yeah, look, we... We're so lucky. It's it's a great platform. They come at it with so much enthusiasm, so much genuine love for the foundation, Graduate Fashion Week, the students, and yeah, we now we are now the co-creator of a European merchandise range, which incredible. quite frankly, twelve so months ago, we'd never have thought of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's just such a good opportunity. And I, I know that our students were all talking about it. And I just think it's so relevant with the time at the moment. Mm, um, our students definitely. are just TikTok mad. I mean, I can, I can waste easily waste half an hour on TikTok just <laughs> watching all these I mean, YouTube. I know, YouTube black holes are bad enough. <laughs> TikTok, TikTok black hole is, just, is deep. It's deep. That's just days, <laughs> days gone. Isn't it? Um, but yeah, and it's it's good as well because it forced us to kind of really look at our social channels and what we mm. were doing. And, um, you know, we became far more active within TikTok, which we had to do anyway, really, because all of our audience were there. Um, so really, it was just a really good learning experience for our team as much as it was as an educational yeah. piece for um, the students that participated. So tell us a bit so, yeah. more about Graduate Fashion Week and the Graduate Fashion uh, Foundation and what it kind of like yeah. means and stands for, just to give us our listeners who may not be students, um, just kind of like a better understanding about the, uh, the mm. company. Sure. So um, the Graduate Fashion Foundation is the charity behind Graduate Fashion Week. So um, this year celebrates 30 years of Graduate Fashion Week, which seems quite incredible. Yeah. I believe that Christopher Bailey won the first gold award in its kind of infancy. 
So from the start, it's been the catalyst for some of the biggest careers in British fashion. Um, You know, went on for quite Stella McCartney, showed at Graduate Fashion Week. Um, Pretty much the who's who of the British fashion design. Um, But not just designers, you know, we represent 26 fashion disciplines. So um, we often have people coming at us from all aspects of the industry saying, well, I first, you know, went to Graduate Fashion Week and... Well, me and Sophie remember. Me and Sophie remember um, having our third year yeah. work showed, and we had ours in like chicken coops, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. And I remember oh God, Henry I Holland that. coming round and looking at all of our work, and it was such an incredible, like amazing, like oh my God, that's Henry Holland, yeah, and that was, was in two thousand eleven. Yes. So that was oh my gosh, so and it's good. so funny because I feel like everyone has this beautiful nostalgia for Graduate Fashion Week yeah. in terms of, you know, if you're a fashion design student, it's really it's the kind of the last time you get to show a collection that's yours, mm. that's your complete vision, because obviously once you move into the industry, you're going to be constrained by brands, you know, um, rules and regulations and constraints. And, you know, even if you launch your own label line, it's going to be, you know, constrained by budgets and commercial realities. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everyone has this real feeling that what they produce for that final year project and you know that gets shown at graduate fashion week is something that is just so um them you know it's something that's come from such a personal space so I think there's a lot of nostalgia around graduate fashion week and essentially you know the graduate fashion foundation is here to it's just to build that transition from education to employment you know that transition for so many is a difficult one and, you know, we're here to kind of really help elevate those talents to the industry they want to work in. And then once they've moved into that industry, support them um, because, you know, as we all know, it's it's a complex and challenging industry at times. Absolutely. Uh, so how long have you worked for Graduate Fashion Week, uh, Joy? Well, I joined, it's so funny, I think this is my fifth Graduate Fashion Week. I joined uh, about four years ago. And I joined for two months <laughs> um, and then just fell in love with it, if I'm honest, and just never left. And now myself and Nicola, the comms director, we lead the day to day running of the charity. And, you know, we feel really lucky that we get to do this job because oh, it's lovely. just we get to work with people that are so passionate you yeah. know, from the students to the academics, to the industry involved and you know we just feel really lucky that we're part of it that's amazing so as I said you work with some absolutely incredible brands and every Mm. year that we come down it's really great because there's always a different stand or um you know and and they're actively doing and you know what's really great is that that people are coming around and speaking and saying do you have any merchandisers do you have Mm. any buyers like who you know and people having these conversations so it's really great to see that there's kind of something in it for everyone, I suppose, for the students, for, exactly. for industry, for you guys. It's just an amazing platform. So obviously, as I said, you work with a lot of brands. So what what mm. is, what's in it for those brands? Like what, what do these brands like for being part of it and oh, yeah. collaborating what's and being part of the awards? What, what, what do they get from it? They get, do you know what? They get so much. And I think they get so much commercially, but also personally. Um quite often with Graduate Fashion Week, and this is something I always come back to, is that the people that agree to participate from a brand perspective um, and kind of push it internally and get it signed off by the multiple layers that they have to get these things signed off within, you know, they tend to take it on as a project above and beyond their day-to-day work life. 
Um, and so the teams that work on it are doing it out of love. They're doing it out of passion. They're doing about because it's something they truly believe in. You know, they're getting access to the next generation of creative talent and they're part of that energy. They're part of that passion. They're part of that creativity. And so from a brand perspective, it has a really lovely knock on effect within the organization itself, but also for those that are personally involved in the project. Um, obviously, there's a really lovely alignment in terms of that youth market, which a lot of brands are looking for. But generally, it's just because people believe in supporting talent as they enter into the marketplace. You know, all of our brands come at it in a in a really, I guess, fresh and innovative ways. You know, no one brand does it the same way. Um, and all of them are looking for talent. So, you know, from my perspective, if I can find a brand that wants to be involved, wants to help either mentor or support or provide internships or even positions, then, you know, they're the perfect partner from my perspective. <laughs> yeah, that, that's amazing. Like you said, there's just so many, so many benefits for everyone in it. And that's why it's just exactly. such a lovely, lovely foundation and, and you know, great to be a part of, from, I know, for our mm-hmm. side as, as academics and as students and all those people that go into industry have, have been in that position at some point, haven't they? Of, of, of exactly. So. They've all been there. They've all been there and they just remember it. And I think particularly since the pandemic started, the the kind of the compassion they feel for the students that have gone through their education at this time is, you know, tenfold. You know, they've always kind of wanted to help support. But now that they've been through what they've been through, they want to support even more. And, you know, they recognise that, you know, if you look at the high street, we've lost so many brands mm. that were big employers particularly at a graduate level um and everyone is very aware that that kind of gap of opportunity now exists and want to try and support as much as they can i think it also promotes a healthy brand as well if they're willing to reach out and help others it shows they've got you know a good ethos and they're, they're good to work for and so on but um definitely i know i think as well like i just sorry just thought the um you know the students now bring innovation into companies you know they are they're so challenging in terms of processes and you know just because something's always being done that way does it have to continue to be done that way and I've heard so many brilliant examples of um, companies that have taken on the graduates and listened to them um, and as a result have managed to evolve it's fresh and, eyes, isn't it? It's fresh eyes on a yeah. company and seeing it from a different perspective. Yeah. And I think that's a really important, like two, they won't mind me saying this, um, who've been our principal partner for a while. They ran a scholarship program for a number of years. They've changed it slightly this year. But one of the winners, I think in 2019, um, I think it, she was name, had, was her name Genevieve? It was Molly. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, Genevieve, I think it was, I'm trying to remember which years they all were. I think Molly was in 2019 and she had um, a really sustainable um, collection based in denim. And, you know, she was really concerned about how that would translate into a commercial reality with mm, a, yeah. you know, a big high street retailer. And she went into two and they just listened every step of the way. You know, there was nothing too much for that they could do to the point where she ended up in India looking at their factory processes, advising them on perhaps some changes that could be made, um, looking at all the packaging for her product, asking for changes to be made. They made them, you know, and as a result, this collection was everything that Molly could be proud of. Mm. And I think, you know, when you've got 
a partner like that that is so open to being told how to change, how to evolve, how to make things more sustainable, then everyone benefits. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so for me, that kind of innovation and fresh eyes is a really important part. Um, what do you think brands could do to support or guide people wanting to, you know, work in the fashion industry or entering the mm. fashion industry? Is there anything that you can think of? Well, you know, I wish brands would do more of this. Definitely. I think one of the things the foundation runs is a mentoring program. And, you know, we're limited in terms of how many we can open that up to. Mm. And we select students every year that are provided with an industry mentor and they're quite high profile mentors. You know, people like Henry Holland, Teton Jones, they all always support annually and they meet up with them like four times over the space of a year um, and just help guide them through that first year. And I honestly feel like I see the best come from those students, um, you know, both in terms of how they manage and cope with that first year, but also how they then transition into the next role. So for me, I think just a, a mentor when they join a company is really important. Yeah, I think that's so beneficial. Um, but also just, and I, you know, I know this is something that everyone's been talking about, but recognising that there are issues around diversity and inclusion within the industry and taking steps to address that, um, but not in a tick box kind of way, mm. <laughs> in a genuine, we need to all collaborate to make this happen. So, you know, one thing the foundation does is we only support the promotion of paid internships and you know, there's so many that try and still not, you know, pay yeah. <laughs> for those, um, you know, and just creating more opportunities that can be easier accessed, accessible. You know, if someone's got a, a four month um, uh, internship in Birmingham, but the student is based, you know, on the other side of the country, recognising the fact that just even supporting with, living expenses or even just helping them find accommodation or transportation you know just small day-to-day -day things that just make people's lives easier can make such a big difference and really could help just make our industry a little bit more diverse because at the moment it it's not entirely accessible at times no i definitely agree with that and that's you know i know there's been um a lot of awful things happen around COVID-19 but I do think that like we've had a lot more conversation uh, than ever more than ever in the last kind of year mm. and a half two years yeah. about you know work-life balances about equality you know not just in our industry yeah. but, you know across the board and working in ways that we never thought we would be able to work and I think it's it's only going to bring some some kind of positive elements to organizations and how we work and how we recruit and um you know it's opened up some really lovely questions and and thoughts kind of moving forward so so fantastic so um yeah graduate fashion week is um just coming up now isn't it so th when this podcast is out it'll just be uh just be starting won't it on the weekend yeah, I think this, this podcast comes out on when the 10th out? Uh, on the is it thursday the 10th thursday the 9th of june it's Thursday the 10th of June. Oh. Thursday the 10th of there June. There you go. And so then just, we'll just be just setting before. up for Graduate yep. Fashion Week. Oh, wow. Well, thank you yep. so much for joining thank us. You, and Joy. we wish you a very oh successful gosh. Fashion Week. Thank you so much. And um, thank you, because I know you guys have had the most... Uh, what's the word? I don't even know what the word is anymore. <laughs> Pressurised. <laughs> um, crazy. Um, intense years of your academic life oh. and it's i know a, that it's, it's been a journey yeah. but we've also learned so much oh. as well 
Um, and I think yeah. it's so interesting seeing how the industry has adapt adapted, and also how you guys mm-hmm. have adapted as well. How you've you know you're doing things. Um, well, it's just slightly yeah. different this year, isn't it? But it's however, the university has pulled together, and I think it's still going to be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah very exciting. Well, so I think um, every student that is in should be if they're not <laughs> entirely grateful for the time and energy the academics put in behind Aww. it because. Um, I know it's been a rather 24-7 job over the yeah. last 18 months. <laughs> Most so. definitely has. Thank um, you. <laughs> I, you're inching towards the summer holidays. So and I hope close. you actually get this year. Oh, we will. <laughs> oh, you will. Oh, thank uh, you so much. I'd like to speak to you both. Thank All you. Right. Thank, thank you, Joy. Take care. Take bye. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So this week's Like to Know is a brand that I am very, very passionate about. And I've mentioned them previously on a podcast. And I am really excited that we're going to feature and talk a little bit more about um, the new Life Centre. Um, so uh, for any listeners from the Midlands, I'm sure you'll be like, yes, to the new Life Centre. But um to anyone that doesn't know about it, I'm going to tell you a little bit more. And it's my favourite topic and all my friends always laugh because <laughs> the new... So New Life is actually a charity. It's a charity um, that has that helps um, disabled children all across the UK and they are based in the West Midlands. They're actually based in Cannock. They've got lots of stores though, haven't they? They have, yeah. Their main Yardley, store is Cannock. Market Drayton, Burton, um, Morton... Quite a few. Mortonist, but there we go, Love yeah. Um, but for anyone, actually, I think this is going to be really great for New Life because uh, the MacArthur Glen shopping outlet has opened literally up the road. So obviously the MacArthur Glen is like uh, the new lot, Mr. Village, isn't it, in the mm. Midlands. It's bringing lots of people in. So anyone that's thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to make a, you know, maybe the bank holiday's coming up or you've got some time off work and you're visiting the Midlands to come to MacArthur Glen, literally two minutes around the corner, corner A there's a McDonald's and B there's New Life <laughs> um, so New Life oh, how can I do even explain it so you've got New Life as a charity then you've got the New Life Centre so they have the Superstore in Canada which is this amazing warehouse full of clothes full of discounted clothes and everything you buy goes to charity so you can shop and feel good and get some oh my god bargains like you literally pull up into the car park and there is lorries full bags of clothing and you see it coming off and you get oh, I, get, I pull Sophie's up Sophie's just like <gasps> drooling yes I'm like what's in there this week um, but it's funny where it's come from actually because I used to go there when I was younger uh, it's, I can't even tell you how long it's been there but it was it was really a funny shopping experience back in the day because what they would do they'd block off an aisle in the store and someone from the back would like wheel in this, this like rail full of clothes <laughs> and it'd be blocked off and people would wait at the ends of the wow. aisle and they'd shout so you could be in the middle of the store run! and they'd go new rail new rail and oh people would run and it's a bit different now because you just go in and you just shop <laughs> it's like Selfridges on Boxing Day sale it's even better <laughs> it's literally even better well they recycle goods from major companies don't they so I guess that does have the whole um environmentally friendly thing going on yes and they sell everything from like clothing footwear accessories household stuff as well don't they oh my god yes there's a whole furniture oh my god yeah they have like I mean what they they can't name the brands what they do they do cut the labels out out. understandable because I guess people try and return to store yeah oh yeah I I didn't even think of that but yeah and like um, sometimes obviously you can see like they they have a lot of River Island jeans in there (laughs) always got some River Island stuff and obviously some of the River Island stuff it's literally like on the button of the jeans or it's on the bag and you can't yeah. obviously remove that. Sometimes it's like Ted Baker, stuff like that, and like super dry. I mean, this store gets stuff from 
all over. Like one day you can walk in and they've got Primark stuff in there. The next day you've got Hunter boots or they have like wedding dresses. I bought three wedding dresses from New Life <laughs> um, in addition. Because when I was originally getting married in Spain, mm. um, I got my main dress, but I knew I would have to do the registry office in the UK yeah. and I might want it. So I end up buying these wedding dresses for, not kidding you, like £7. Like, full-on wedding dresses. You are such a bargain hunter. I love it. Why can't I... Why am I not you? Why can't I not find <laughs> these bargains? I got my bridesmaid's shoes from New Life. I walked in one day, because they've got uh, the main warehouse, then they've got the home store, which is just incredible, and then they've got this little marketplace bit on the on the end, um, and they've got, literally, my theme is rose gold, standard, I love rose gold, and I walked in, and they've got these rose gold shoes lined up. And it's not very... Like, sometimes you go in, it's like odd pe- Like yeah. You'll find one of it. I think that's why I don't necessarily pairs. like doing, going to places like that because I'm like they'll never have my size or they'll only have oh it'll be damaged or something like that. But I'm so eager to go. Yeah, I need to take you. I mean, I get it though because it's quite it'd be quite far for you for me, to go, yeah. and that's why I think it might. It, but they've no. got other ones. I could have a look, see which ones. Yeah, closer. absolutely. But for me, the reason why I really want to go is just their kind of like ethos of supporting disabled children. I mean. There's roughly around 1 million disabled and terminally ill children in the UK and thousands of them rely on New Life to get the equipment they need. So I kind of feel like it's such a rewarding thing because you get something, but you also get to give back. And I think that's just a lovely yeah. concept. It works for everyone. So the charity benefit, you benefit because you've got a bargain and then yep. the brands benefit. Mm. So they're working with these brands to help and support them with their environmental um uh, social social responsibility. Yeah, their goals and all those yeah. things as well. So it kind of really works for everyone, mm. um, which is really amazing. Um, I love going there. Um, and I just think, you know, if you are in the Midlands and haven't heard, go, you know, it is one of those, it's TK Maxx, but better. I, love, I mean, I love It's like a day out. It is. Oh, oh, my God, it is. And especially if, you know, you go to all three of the stores. But... Um, Obviously, as a charity, they, they've obviously struggled like a lot of charities will have done during lockdown. They, they, they were closed of for course, a long, yeah. long time. And, yeah. you know, yes, it's a shame that a lot of retailers lost money, but there's there's charities that have lost money because they're mm. not for profit. Um, I remember when they reopened, I did book the day off work. So I went from Primark to New Life all in one day and we queued for about an hour uh, me and my friends, big love to you, uh, Phoebe and Emma. We had a great time that day. <laughs> um, we got some great bargains. Um, and, oh, my God, you should see their Black Friday queues. <gasps> their Black insane. Friday queues. Uh, but obviously, if you turned up now, if you went and got in the car and drove to Canada, you'd be, fine. you'd be fine to walk in. Um, but going up there, like, you know, for an opening or something like that. Um, but all you do is you go in, you have to have it be a member, but it's £2, £2 a year for your card. Bargain. So you give your card and you can go in and you can buy whatever you want. There's men's, children's. So if you're heading to MacArthur Glen and you're from somewhere else in the country, pop round the corner, New Life Centre. Also follow them on Instagram. They're very active on their social media and they actually have a website as well. Um, I think it's a little harder for a brand like New Life to have a website because sometimes they get stuff bulk of an item so mm. they obviously put it online but with, with the odds and ends sometimes that they get, like they obviously can't um, do that. But have a look uh, on New Life stores and please follow them. Do something really good and spend your money with a charity. And it's not, it's when I say it's a charity, it's it's all new stuff. Like, it's all got the tags. It's not being worn. Um, so it's a really great way to shop if you want a bargain and you want to support an amazing charity. So in addition to our graduate guest lock competition, we also want to launch our like to note competition for our wonderful brands. Um, so we want you to nominate 
and tell us about some of the brands that you follow and you engage with and you buy from that haven't got the recognition they deserve. Unsung heroes. Unsung heroes. It could be a jewellery brand, it could be beauty, it could be fashion, ethical products, anything that you have seen on online and you want to nominate. So what we are asking you to do uh, to enter is to nominate that brand and that brand needs to share us in their story to be in a chance of getting a slot on our podcast we really want to give back like laura said the unsung heroes of our industry we you know we spend a lot of our time talking about these huge retailers that are kind of at the forefront of the industry news we also want to be able to use this platform to talk about those hidden gems the little tiddlers the little tiddlers <laughs> so what i want you to do is go to our instagram at the fashionemics and i want you to read all the t's and c's but right Right there, you'll be able to learn how you can nominate the brands that you really love and you want us to talk about on the podcast and get them to share us on their story and tag us at the Fashionemics in a chance to win. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today for our episode eight. Lucky eight ball. <laughs> Here she goes. We've really enjoyed um, the interesting discussion about workwear, heels, future of the fashion industry in terms of like what we're going to be wearing. Um, I hope you've enjoyed listening to the lovely um, Joy Campbell talking about All Graduate Fashion Week, how they've been using TikTok to uh, connect with their consumers. Next week, we have a lovely lady from Liberty um, talking all things fashion and her role as a merchandiser so please stay with us and stay tuned in um don't forget to follow us at the fashionemics um keep engaging with us we love having the conversations we love seeing our inbox full of questions um discussions on our latest topics so please keep doing that and thank you again you totally inspire us thank you Please don't forget you can listen to this episode and lots of other Brum Radio podcasts on the Brum Radio podcast channel at brumradio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you've enjoyed this podcast today, don't forget to rate and review us. We would really love your support and feedback. Also make sure you subscribe or follow us so the next episode of The Fashademics gets to you automatically. You can also find us on Instagram at Fashademics. Can't bear hearing people eat. No. No. Yeah, we're going. Thanks, Pete. So, fun on the side, we also record Sophie chomping on food. If you would like to donate to the Pastemic charity, please (laughs) send your money to (laughs) Pastemics at PayPal. I can't bear it hearing people eat. Insane. Insane in the membrane. Insane in the brain. Thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app.